camera. Action, folks. <laughs> Murray throws. Touchdown, Arizona. DeAndre Hopkins. Quarterback draw. Murray, can he get there? Touchdown, Perfect. Welcome to episode 146 of the British Beardgown Breakdown. We've got no witty opening for this week, just Tom and Callum ready to talk Arizona Cardinals football. Welcome to the show. Yeah, welcome everyone. Um, we're in October now, and the Cardinals are 2-2. Two and two. Yeah. Spooky season is upon us. <laughs> spooky season is most certainly upon us. Um, I'll tell you the spookiest thing about that. Uh, for me, the, the Cardinals have a 500 record and it really doesn't feel like it. I know, yeah, especially with like how negative people seem to be about the Cardinals. It's like, I mean, we've got two more games to go before like DeAndre Hopkins is back. But, you know, two and two after we played who we've played, you can't really complain about that, can you? Yeah, and I think in a lot of ways you would look at the wins that we got out of it and you think, okay, well, those were the, the kind of realistic wins that we could have got. I don't think many people had us, had us pegged for wins against the Rams and the Chiefs, for example. I mean, even the eternal optimists might have done. I know I did in the Pickhams, but yeah. who cares? It's only a point if I got it wrong. Yeah, well, exactly. And, you know, um, ultimately, I think, uh, you know, we're two and two. We've lost the two games we've lost have been to really good teams, um, but most importantly, we have um, broken a pretty long streak. Um, the Cardinals' win this week at uh, Carolina is the first regular season win that they have had in that stadium since two thousand and two. We've also broken the streak on this podcast as well because after so many weeks without any news, we've actually got some this week. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, we've got uh, well. A couple different, a uh, couple different news items. Of course, the first one is about practice window. Yep. Yeah, so for the trio who have been on injured reserve since the start of the season, Colt McCoy, the only CMC that matters this episode, <laughs> Antonio Hamilton and Antoine Wesley have all returned to practice this past week. Yeah, which is, I think, um, you know, it's really good news, especially like. Having depth, interestingly, those are three positions at which depth is is, I, I suppose, depth with uh, with wide receiver and things is a bit more of a, an issue. But um, you know, it's it's not the depth that we need the most right now. Well, I mean, quarterback, we've got fine. We've just Calamari, haven't we? Because we've not had to call on Colt on Trace McSorley once, have we? No, we've not. Which is, you know, I think a good thing, and and hopefully we won't have. A repeat of last season, we won't have to have Colt McCoy either. Yeah, and obviously cornerback. I mean, people say they struggled, but when you look at it, Byron Murphy's been playing really well. Marco Wilson's getting better with each week, you know. So, I mean, obviously we need depth at cornerback, but, you know, bringing Antonio Hamilton back, you know, that's a good guy to bring back because it just brings us more, like, versatility in the backfield. Yeah, definitely. It it gives us um, a few more options for drawing up plays, um, etc. But I mean, I think ultimately, you know, this this weekend as a great example, the uh, the secondary did pretty well. Granted, they were only playing against Baker Mayfield. That's very true. They were only playing against the man who got vehemently booed in his own stadium. I mean, it's not for the first time. I'm sure it happened in Cleveland many times. It did so indeed. Yeah, just follows him around. Um, but yeah, I think um, you know, the, we've only got a few days to kind of activate them to the fifty-three man roster. I think these are three names that you probably want to try and shuffle around to find space for. Um, but equally, with the problems that we've had on the offensive line just now, you, you maybe just don't have space. Yeah, well, I mean, like before we move on to that, because there is someone who they haven't yet brought mm-hmm. back, but in Antoine Wesley. You know, with the injury to AJ Green and obviously DeAndre Hopkins still suspended. Yeah. Our like wide receiver room is very small, I should say, at the moment. Just like I don't I don't know that it's so much small as is just kind of lacking in kind of big names, I guess. Um, you know, I think uh I think our, our wide receiver core is an interesting bunch just now. But yeah, bringing bringing him back in and, and 
expanding that room at the very least it gives you more options um more likely is you know that you're bringing him in to be uh one of your one of your sort of favored targets for now yeah well i mean when, when i say small as well i mean like it's like height wise because you know we've got yeah marquis brownie i think he's sub six foot you know rondale moore's five seven is he five eight something yeah like that. he's the 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 whole Greg Dorch is small, Andy Isabella's small. I mean, we've got the tight ends with the size, but no one in the wide receiver room. Do we have any active wide receivers over six foot at the moment? I don't think we have, though, but obviously yeah. Antoine Wesley's six three, six four, I think. So mm-hmm. I mean do you remember, more than that. Do you remember that was a theme in the in the game against the Chiefs as well, actually? That's something we talked about at the time was how small our wide receiver core looked next to the chief secondary. And, uh, you know, I think if you can bring in any height at all, uh, at least until uh, DeAndre Hopkins is back as well, um, that can only be helpful. Yeah, I mean, DeAndre Hopkins isn't really that big, considering. No, it. he's it's just he's, he has, like, the big, like, reach size. Yeah, he's, he's got the, the big verticality, I suppose. Um, but yeah, I do. I do think. Um, I do think that could be a, a huge advantage for right now. And again, you know, I do think as well. Like if you're if you're looking at Colt McCoy, like definitely bring him in as your uh, as your number two guy. You know, you you really don't want to be relying on like young rookies. Um, should Kyler go down? I mean, Trace McSorley might have done a good job, but you know, I think we'll probably see him released and then. Hopefully, brought back to the practice squad when they do actually get to activate Colt McCoy. Yeah, that that will be almost certainly the move, because ultimately, you know, it's like it, as you said, Trace McSorley, he might have done just fine. Um, hopefully, we wouldn't need to find out anyway. But um, yeah, if you're if you've got Colt McCoy, who we know can lead the team to victory in trying circumstances. I think you go with him hands down. Yeah, and we got another piece of news, which was a bit of a shock, wasn't it, when it first came out this weekend? Yeah, it really was. Um, and, you know, I think uh, especially difficult in light of what happened to uh, to Tua on Thursday Night Football. But yeah, um, Cardinals player with a bit of a medical scare. Yeah, we had the news on Sunday about JJ Watt, where on during the week, he had to have a emergency heart procedure done due to an irregular heartbeat, I believe. Yeah, had to have it basically shocked back into the right rhythm. And I mean, obviously, you know, that's the sort of thing you can't really, you have to take seriously, don't you? Because, you know, the amount of times we've seen people just, like in any sport, really, you know, like heart issues, we've had, like mm-hmm. on football, you know. Yeah, yeah. Comes out of the blue, so... It it really does, and um, you know it's obviously pretty pretty serious at that time. Um, so you know, I think there was a few uh, hearts and mouths watching JJ Watt, but you know, again, he was advised he was okay to play, and um, again, like played really really well on Sunday. Um, I think he had like two or three passes defended at the line and very nearly got a sack and all sorts of stuff. I don't think that was J.J. Watt. That was the basic J.J. Watt clone, Zach Allen, who got the pass break. I mean, J.J. Uh, J.J. will have one of them. J.J. Watt and Zach Allen combined for five passes defended, and one of them had three and the other one had two. Uh, fair enough. Um, I can't remember who, who, who had who, but um, yeah. You know, J.J., Still went out and had a great game, but um, yeah, I I think the the one, you know, the, obviously the downside that it happened in the first place, upside that he is fine, um, but the one real downside is that it, it seems as though somebody kind of forced his hand to uh, to telling the public about it. Yeah, I mean, so few people actually apparently knew the news. I've it was the doctors and a few people in the team. Yeah, like like T. I think with staff, obviously not like players or anything like that. So there's a rat in the organization somewhere. Yeah, I'm. It's just a real shame to see, you know, especially something like that, which is a sort of relatively serious but private medical concern. Yeah, I mean, obviously, if he wanted to make it public, then I'm sure he would have chosen to. But you know, it, it does make me wonder how often this happens to players when they're not forced to, you know 
to to tweet about it. Yeah, I suppose he's just basically controlling the story, isn't he? Like, if he gets out there first, then what pers- but- who's the person going to, like, rat it out to? Because, like, you know, they're probably going to go to someone like Adam Schefter on the Ian Rappaport, you know, like the NFL insiders. Exactly. Yeah, I think you know, like um, the, the, him getting the story out allows him to control the whole message and say, you know, I my my heart was in arrhythmia. I had it shocked. The doctor said it's fine, and I'm going to play. Whereas you just know that if somebody in the media got hold of the story, even with those facts, they would love to ru- love to run it as JJ uh, Watt's heart stopped. You know, and and that's it. Yeah, some sort of like really. I mean, I did see an example of like really bad journalism. I mean, there's plenty of that around, but uh, two New York Jets, like former offensive linemen, died recently. But the way they worded it made it sound like it was like active players that just died. Right. Yeah. So yeah, it's like I mean, again, it's like that's that's how you get clicks right it's all driven by getting clicks on things and uh, it's just a yeah anyway it's a shitty practice isn't it? yeah it is it is it's dreadful but i think um look to, to to take it back to jj and and everything else takeaways are really glad that he's okay um pleased with the way that he handled it and i think um he did the best thing possible by going out and having a great game uh on sunday and kind of you know proving to everyone that he's fine yeah, exactly. And, you know, what I mean is long term, you know, we just don't know the answer to that just yet. But, yeah, yeah. as long as he stays healthy, that's the main concern. Absolutely. I mean, um, we'd hate to lose him partway through the season again because we saw how much of a an effect that had on the Cardinals' defense. Although I will say that, um, as you hinted, his protege, Zach Allen, seems to be really coming along. Um, but I guess we will discuss that in our game recap unless you've got anything particular to add to the JJ story no no I've got nothing but just get to talk about to win now because you know the few and far between sometimes especially yeah. when Carolina are the opposition indeed and uh British bird gang member Darren was there to see it all firsthand for us this uh this week yeah we had a, another one over as well I've seen on Twitter he oh, put a brilliant. few pictures over so you know good luck charms both of them yeah, absolutely. So now we've got to just make sure that they go to every game. We're not paying for it. They crash. No, no I can't. Our own pocket. <laughs> not a chance. Not a chance. Um, but yeah, indeed, uh, the Cardinals go to Carolina. And as I mentioned at the top of the show, pick up their first win in Carolina there since 2002. Yep. The 26-16 victory. Although the scoreline does flatter Carolina somewhat, I would say. Yeah, I think their garbage time TD, you know, um, puts it in. But I got to say, I do, I do think that um, the twenty six sixteen is kind of what we deserve after the um, early performance that we put in in the first quarter. Oh yeah, it was just another one of those, wasn't it? You know, basically a really slow start from the offense, but on the other flip side, defense just played amazingly. Yeah, right, deep- right out the gate. I think, um, you know, it's it's hard to say exactly which came first, the chicken or the egg. Like, was it uh, an absolute masterclass from the defense or was Baker Mayfield just that bad? Um, and I think it is a bit of both, to be honest. I think um, Baker Mayfield helped the defense look as good as they did. Um, but you could tell they were out there playing their hearts out. And from what I've heard, one of the big proponents of that was actually DJ Humphreys. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I heard that one. Um well, okay, so you know um DJ Humphreys is from near Carolina. Yeah. Um so he was saying to the media afterwards, um, he used to go along to those Carolina games and things like that. And then in two thousand and fifteen, when we lost in the NFC championship game there, in one of the original first games that never happened. Um, really, truly dreadful defeat. Um, he was sitting there basically as a spectator because it was his rookie year and he was sitting the whole thing out. And he says he's come there to Carolina several times since then um, and really, really wanted to leave this week with his head held high. And so he spent the entire week really kind of um, getting the team going and, and getting everyone fired up and um, yeah, according to quite a few of the guys on the sideline, DJ Humphreys was out there 
really, really leading it this week. And, uh, you know, they attributed a lot of the defense's performance to him. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I think he had another solid game as well during it because I don't think there was much pressure coming from his end. Was there a Kyle Murray? It was all from the other side. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, I think, uh, admittedly, the other side was was a clearly a weak side. But, um, you know, I think, uh, you know, if he's out there, uh, you know, in, in such a fervor that he's inspiring uh, the whole other side of the ball and shouting from the sidelines at them. Um, yeah, I mean, wh- where can you go wrong? I wonder if it was mic'd up anywhere, because that would be something to watch, wouldn't it? That'd yeah. be hilarious. The, he's a funny guy, DJ. Yeah, he is. He's always, always, got, <clears throat> excuse me, always got some good stuff to say as well. Whenever he's on the mic'd up. But I mean, it's one of those things as well. Like you know, speaking of DJ Humphreys, like going into this game, I think he was one of two defensive linemen who had yet to give up a quarterback pressure this season, or at least left tackle. I'm sure I read that somewhere. It sounds right. Yeah. I've not, I don't think I've seen that specifically, but I could I could understand that I could get that. And I don't think he gave up any in this one, so hopefully that like run continues for him. I mean, yeah, I'd, I'd like. He's to had see some that. he's had some good matchups so far this year. You know, kept Chandler Jones in his back pocket. Yeah, that's a good that's a good point. Actually, I forgot that that was the matchup there. Everyone forgot Chandler Jones was playing. So yeah, you know, it's a good point. Actually, you can't yeah. be blamed for that. I suppose. No, no. Yeah, def- yeah, definitely having a having a bit of a year, isn't he? And it's a good job that we actually re-signed him because, you know, his price tag would probably only just be going up and up had yeah. they already done so. Well, it's it's usually uh, the year before we're going to re-sign somebody, isn't it, that they start having a really good year. Still not worked out for Andy Isabella, but, you know, there's still time. Yeah. He, you know, second half of the season kind of guy is Andy Isabella. We hope so because, you know, the rest of the team isn't going by recent history, allegedly. Anyway, uh, that's me... Um, that's me distracting us from what we should be talking about which is again like a defensive masterclass we've already mentioned um jj watt and we've mentioned uh zach allen as well who had an absolutely phenomenal game we didn't mention the fact though that he did win the british bird guy breakdown player of the game award making him the fourth different winner from the first four games of the season yeah it's interesting how it's kind of running around like that right and he's the first defensive player as well to win one yeah, I think that's well deserved. You know, again, like a, a bit of a fan favorite is Zach Allen, and um, seeing him come out and be able to produce games like that, no wonder. And also the name Zach Allen as well taken off. I've seen a few people using it this week, so I, I should I like, have like trademarked it. <laughs> I like Zach Allen a lot, and I also um, really, really love his. Uh, his little celebration dance. Yeah, I'm sure I saw someone describe it as the like a cat playing cat litter. <laughs> it's such a it's such an odd little dance, and it's not quite like any one thing or another. But it's great. It's great. I, like, I really like the guy. Um, and yeah, well deserved player of the game award. Lots of pressures. Um, lots of uh, passes batted down and defended, and good tackles. And yeah, just really didn't let. Um, let them get away with much and I think that contributed a lot to the turnovers that we saw from the defence as well Yeah, and I think the thing as well with Zach Allen is he's coming into a contract year, isn't he? Hence why he's obviously performing now Yeah, just got to like rack that price tag up, right? Yeah, that's the thing, you know is he going to push himself outside of our price range if he continues mm. playing like that? That's obviously the big issue, isn't it? You know, like, because we've seen that so many times before where people just yeah, outpay well, he- outplay what we're going to pay them i think you know it's kind of a damned if you do damned if you don't situation really isn't it because um either he plays really really well and we re-sign him and then um he he you know goes on a a downward spiral or he plays really really well we don't re-sign him um because we can't afford him and then he goes off to be you know incredible and have his best years elsewhere seems to be the pattern I mean, we should be able to afford him because next year we haven't got that many big contracts on the board. So <laughs> yeah, indeed, yeah, we should we should hopefully be able to main, uh, maintain him and hopefully he continues his good form throughout the year. Because regardless of whether or not we keep him, um, if he's having a good year this year, then that's still good for the Cardinals. Yeah, I mean, give him give Zach Allen JJ what money because you know he's out of contract this year. 
Yeah, Maybe he ends up like taking off into the Arizona sunset. I wouldn't be surprised given the injuries and everything that he's had, really. Yeah, and plus he's also like your first ballot Hall of Famer anyway, so what more need does he have to play other than chasing a ring? Yeah, and let's face it, the Cardinals, at least right now, don't look like the team to do that in. It's fine. It's going to happen later in the season. We'll see. Um, yeah, I think uh, any other standouts from the defense? We had a couple good picks and things like that, but I don't think there was any picks that were... I mean, I did see one statistic which stands out. Go on. Because then. you know how much everyone has been saying how Zavin Collins is a bust or like words mm-hmm. to that effect. In the two games, he's played 100% of the defensive snaps, this being one of them. Oakland being... Well, not Oakland. Las Vegas being the other one. The Cardinals are 2 and 0. Yeah, there you go. So that's you know, the thing. Pele saving Collins every single <laughs> snap. Exactly. And we're going to win every single game. Um, until we don't. And then that's that. Until we useless. Don't. Exactly. Um, no, I think, um, yeah, I think saving Collins, you know, he has these flashes where you see him play really, really well. Um, and then the other times, it's not, it's not as though he looks bad. He just looks lost. Yeah, I mean, he has those moments. Obviously, he's still learning, isn't he? And he's like obviously calling the – I think he is now calling the defences. I think he's got uh, a green dot, hasn't he? Yeah, I think I've so. I've heard of him having it taken off him. Well, he's, yeah, he's, he's not calling them so much as – well, he, he's communicating them to the players, right? He's not like making any decisions himself. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's all he's still just Vance the, Joseph's job, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's just got the radio in his head, basically. Oh, it's Twitter's feed, you know, because Twitter <laughs> knows how to call the defense better than these Yeah, guys. yeah, exactly. Just, like, you know, set the set the knob on the radio a little bit further over to Twitter, and then we'll we'll obviously start winning games more. Might wait for the offense, because Cliff can't play call for shit, remember? Well... Uh, you say that, but uh, we can we can move on to talk about the offense a little bit. Who um, had a really really difficult start to the game? Um, realistically, you could say a difficult first half of the game. Yeah, I mean, you know, it took a bit of time to get going, and again, they only had three points to show for it at the break. Yeah, although they could have had more, but Cliff elected to go for it as opposed to go for the three points. Which yeah. again, I don't think it's a bad choice to make because, you know, it's in the Carolina Panthers you're playing, you know. If you're well, going down, like, I mean, at that point, I think it was 10-3, wasn't it? No, it was 7-3. 7-3, yeah. Yeah, so had he kicked the field goal there, make it 7-6, you know, it's a one-point game. But yeah. if you go for it, make it, score a touchdown, then you're ahead, aren't you? Well, exactly. I mean, either way, it's... Uh... It's a one, you know, like you still got to. I, I suppose with one of them, you know, you could kick another field goal and you'd be ahead, but that requires you getting another field goal, and hopefully you're going to get another touchdown instead. So I, I think personally, to me, it makes sense, and I think, I think before the season is out, we're going to see a game be lost by us electing to go for it on fourth down too many times and not getting them. Um, because that's the nature of playing this type of game, right? Is like um, you you go for it and you try and get the best on aggregate, but uh, going getting the best on aggregate means that sometimes you're going to get the worst out of it as well, right? Yeah, it's one of those things. Where it's like okay, so I mean, we saw it on the other side because Carolina Panthers went for it on fourth and short. They did in yeah. their own territory. And didn't make it. Yeah, and and that got the Cardinals a short field, and I think they scored from that one directly, right? Um, I'm trying to think down, because uh, let's have a look. Yeah, so they went for it on fourth down in their own territory, and then we went for it on fourth down on our, uh, ourselves, and didn't make it. So it was basically oh, nil-nil. So it's a wash then, right? <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, both head coaches were tied one all in questionable decisions at that point. But. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it, again, like I, I think, I think it's a trend that we're seeing more and more across the league, and it's partially coaches relying on things like statistics and big data that say just go for it on fourth down. You know, it's like, um, do you remember a few years ago there was all those news stories about that high school high school coach that never called a punt? Yeah, and. 
on aggregate, he was winning by quite a large margin because it didn't matter that sometimes you lost the fourth down. And I think we're seeing that same attitude come to the NFL a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, on the fourth down play that we called, it was that reverse to Rondale Moore, where I think it was Brian Burns came through completely untouched and like got Moore in the backfield for like a three or four yard loss. And again, you know, when you're on your third string guard, um, that's gonna things like that are gonna happen sometimes, right? Yeah, but it's one of those things. I like, I don't hate the like the call of go for it on fourth and one, but if you've got James Connor, yeah, just with him, uh, you know, when it's behind Will Hernandez and Rodney Hudson, you know, you're probably gonna pick up a yard there easily. Well, we saw that screen pick up yards here and there all game, really, didn't we? Yeah, because you know. I suppose that is the one frustration with Cliff Kingsbury sometimes. He's a bit, he tries to be too clever. Yeah, maybe like, maybe like a little bit too many, um, you know, uh, double bluffs and things like that rather than just go, yeah, you know what? You know we're going to run it. We know we're going to run it. We're going to stick James Conner up the middle and, and just force it, you know, have everyone fall forward a yard. I mean, yeah, exactly. That's what James Conner's built for, isn't it? You know, those short yardage, so... Yeah, just put the ball in his hands, and I mean, he might have a dodgy ankle still, but even then, I'd still think I'd put. It's it's funny though because you think you know Cliff Kingsbury would love to call that play uh, four times on the goal line as well, right? What the reverse? Uh, not the reverse. The the James Connor punch it. Yeah, in. I mean, yeah, you're not going to put Callum Murray in like a QB sneak, are you? So no, just well, hand it off to Connor. The problem is, if Kyler Murray falls forward, you might not get a full yard. Exactly, you know. Who knew he was tall? <laughs> exactly. Um, and speaking of yeah. Kyler... No, go on. Yeah, speaking of Kyler, it was his first mistake which led to the first points of the game. Yeah, indeed. Um, it was a, a pick, wasn't it? It was. It was a pick six to some guy who everyone now hates, even though before the game he'd never even heard of him. <laughs> yeah. It's one of Stupid. those names that, that kind of keep coming back at you, isn't it? Stupid Frankie Louvre. <laughs> the Cardinals have like a really. Um, I think it's just because I follow them so closely, but they definitely seem to have a habit of like finding some relatively unknown player on a, an opposing defense and just making them a superstar for a few hours. Yeah, I mean, as well, he was one of those where the, you know they had like the montage about players having different flags on the back of the helmet. Oh yeah, yeah, of course. I'm sure he had, I think he had from American Samoa, which is apparently a real country. Yeah, it is. It's a big uh, rugby country out there. And yet now he's there uh, being the falling Cardinal side. And I mean, to be yeah. fair to him, he did have a good game. You know, he, he led them in tackles. He had the pick six. Yeah, no, he definitely did have a good game. And, and I think um, getting an early pick six in must be a bit of a, a big um, confidence boost for you, right? Yeah, but it's one of those things with Kyle Murray. It's like, I just couldn't even see who he was going for because yeah, yeah. He, he spent so much time with the ball and then he goes for that. It's like, just throw it away. Yeah, I mean, I think um, it, it really is one of those classic Kyler picks, isn't it? You know, it's the anytime that he holds on to the ball for too long like that, you just, you can feel him trying to chuck a bomb down there and I, I wonder how much of it still comes from um college days and like being you know just so much better than your opponents um but with this wide receiver core uh you can't you can't trust it yeah i mean it was a struggle for both teams because like it took until like midway through the second quarter before either team managed to convert a third down and we were the first to do that yeah, um, it, it was a kind of an odd game like that, really, wasn't it? Um, but yeah, second quarter, we're, we're playing some really, really scrappy football uh, from then. And, and I think, you know, a big part of that has to be handed down to both defences, really. I think, it re- really, it wasn't really their defence making us... We were just shooting ourselves in the foot. Because, like, don't forget the when we went for it on fourth and inches, and Rodney Hudson... Sent that snap to Kyler Murray. Oh, like yeah. miles over right. his head. Yeah, I was going to say, he didn't really send it to Kyler Murray. He sent it to some other postcode in North Carolina. 
But yeah, it ended up in South Carolina. It was that yeah. bad. <laughs> it's, uh, uh, but the thing is, though, with that play, if you notice, if you saw on the replay, Calabari nearly got it to his intended receiver as well, which just goes to show how crazy his talent is. Yeah, oh, I don't get me wrong. I do, I do think that um, his improvisation in that situation is really good. Um, and yeah, you know, as you said, he, he sort of very nearly got it to the right guy. But um, yeah, I, I think you're right. I think shooting your shooting yourselves in the foot is uh, is probably a really good way to think of that first half. You know, th- there was possibility for coming out into the half with a lead and it just yeah. didn't materialize yeah i mean obviously we also got the big play where rashad higgins put the ball on the ground and the cardinals <clears throat> recovered his fumble yeah just uh excellent you know and it's really fitting i guess at that point that you make such a big play from the defense who were playing so well at that point and i think that play just seemed to spare the Cardinals into life a little bit because after that we had like two like we had a huge play from Hollywood Brown for 22 yards wonderful and then he has and then he has his second like his first highlight real catch of the game the one on the sidelines this one was like how can you make these catches yeah and it's like repeatedly isn't it it's like week in week out he's making just like the question is is could could he be making them look easier but uh I doubt it really just make a highlight. I suppose that's why he's named Hollywood, isn't he? Yeah, well, exactly. And then Cardinals did eventually get on the scoreboard with a 33-yard uh, field goal from Matt Prater. Yep, Matt Prater again having a having a good game, uh, you know, remaining solid, which is exactly what you want from him. Um, yeah, in there, three points, get points on the board. And I think uh, whenever you can get points on the board in a game like that, you just never know how it's all going to shake out. Yeah, especially like, you know, the defense was just playing really well at that time because then we get the interception from Jalen Thompson yep. before the half as well, but and the offense do nothing at all with it. And then Carolina end up getting another three points before the half to make it 10-3. Yeah, I forgot about that sequence of events as well. And it's like, yeah, our, our defense is doing everything at that point that it could be to help out the offense. It's given them... You know, giving them the ball back more, it's keeping the uh, the field really short for them, and yeah, just there's not really much in the way of conversion from it, and yeah, again, coming down um, and losing the advantage that you got from that initial field goal, just a tough time to go into the locker room. But um, you know, for the second week in a row, we're talking about the Cardinals getting a bit of the hair dryer treatment or something like that. And it's the exact same, actually, as we played against uh, the Raiders as well, right? Like, that was another game where it was all really won in the second half. Yeah. And we had the, obviously, we had the classic Cliff-isms at halftime. Yeah. Same just, whatever it is he goes and says to them then. I mean, when he calls, when he goes to the reporters as well, he has his usual sayings, you know, like, needs to call better plays and they need to execute better. Loves yeah. to loves to talk about the lack of execution in the first half, doesn't he? We can like like coin the call me like cliffisms. To be honest, I mean, if I was in his situation, I think I would just write a bunch of them down for like a bunch of different situations and then read that before I go in. Because then I don't actually need to think about, you know, answering any of the questions. He just has his like staple answers, doesn't he, for these things? So, well, like, what else? It annoys the hell out of people, but who yeah. cares? But frankly, like, what what are you meant to say at that point? Right? You meant to just go like, oh yeah, well, you know, we were trying this page in our playbook, but uh, you know, they must have us on that. So we were going to come out in the second half and we're going to try a more run heavy offense and we're going to play these kind of bubble screens and all that sort of stuff. And it's like, you know, you're not going to expect him to tell you that right he's going to tell you oh you know we need to up our communication and we need to execute better it just seems yeah it's just one of those things that every single week you hear it and like eventually we won't hear it will we because you know we'll have one of those games where we just like everything goes right for us for a whole four quarters and we like just completely (laughs) demolish the team one day one day hopefully this week against philadelphia but probably not we'll get to that um but yeah, indeed, another uh, slow start that then turned around completely in the second half when the Cardinals scored how many points unanswered? 
like 23 or something? It was 23 on Anthony Yeah, in the second half because you know, he just came out and played a heck of a lot better. I mean, there were still mistakes because we oh, had there were, yeah. Trey McBride got flagged. Uh, Rodney Hudson got flagged for a block, which choked off a really nice run from James Conner. You know, but we were just think, making these stupid mistakes. I think, in a way, though, it's like it's the same mistakes from the first half, but they just didn't let it get to them as much. Yeah, and eventually they did get down the field and score the first touchdown of the game for the Cardinals, anyway, with Zach Ertz walking into the end zone untouched. Yeah, which was, you know, it's just played exactly as designed. Um, great, get in there, get it done. Um, Cardinals on the board, and it's it suddenly you know things look a little a lot better at ten ten than they did at ten three. Yeah, and then obviously defense plays a lot better their next drive, but as play say play a lot better. You know, they just Zach Allen is there blocking, batting balls down. Just, I think it's one of those things where you know the defense were playing. Um, perfectly well, perfectly adequately in the first half, but the offense being a bit cheated up and pr- presumably also giving them a bit more of a break um, lets the defense come out and and you know play more proactively. I guess you would say. Yeah, it's obviously and they're just getting in there and rattling Baker Mayfield at that point. Yeah, I mean, I think that was when the boost started coming out for him, wasn't it? Just I mean, second half, they were just yeah. meh, relentless. I, can you blame them, really? I mean, that's that's a. I know that the, this Panthers team isn't exactly incredible, but you know that he was just failing to execute on the simplest things. Yeah, and I suppose he doesn't have like the best support, I guess. I mean, Christian McCaffrey had his. He led them in like receiving yards and rushing yards, but he still wasn't like as effective as we know he can be. Maybe that was well, down to us. Maybe that was down to him, like. Having like one practice all week. Yeah, well, he was, uh, and he he had um, two one hundred yard games in a in a row before that, and I don't think he got the full hundred against us, right? I think he did. He got combined because he got he got combined, but the the hundred yards rushing. Sorry. Oh yeah, he got twenty seven on the ground, eighty one yeah. in the air, and the touchdown later in the game. So yeah, no, still, still a decent game from him. But as you said, being held quiet compared to what we know he can be, you know. Yeah, and I mean, like in the third quarter, Carolina had twelve yards of offense. That's wild. I mean, they they barely had the ball in the third quarter. To be honest, I mean, they 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 seemed to get it and then just immediately lose it. Yeah, and of course, in the third quarter, we had the big who hearted we, where well, a player got ejected from the Cardinals, yet two Carolina Panthers who did the exact same thing didn't. Just shocking officiating, really, isn't it? Yeah. And I mean, like, he barely even touched the... I suppose, you know, he is a massive offensive lineman, so him just grazing past someone might feel like he'd like being hit by a truck. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, like that poor fella that uh, went out with the flare on... Uh... At the 49ers game. Yeah, Bobby Wagner lit him up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Come to play and you get played, you know. It wouldn't happen if you took your flair to any football game over here, though, so you just yeah. banned it for a year. <laughs> exactly. To be fair, I don't think I, you know, this guy might have PTSD from getting taken out by Bobby Wagner. That's the thing, though, with when all that kicked off, it was because everyone's favourite Panther Frankie Louvu mm-hmm. decided to throw James Connor on the ground. Yeah, I mean it was it was just um I guess, really unnecessary. Yeah, well I think the whole yeah, the whole situation as it unfolded needed to be refereed better. And you know, the problem is, is that there's no booth review for these type of calls. And and in a way, you know. Yes, it's a boring thing to do, but like this is what you would have a fourth official for, right? I mean, you say that, but apparently it was the call from New York which got him ejected. It wasn't actually the officials on the field. Was it really? I didn't know that New York had the power to oversee that. Well, yeah, they have like officials like watching every game, don't they? Yeah, so that's but where I, did, they do, I like, booth reviews and all that. Yeah, well, but I didn't know that they the had the power to actually call for an ejection if it hadn't been called for on the field. 
Yeah, I think they must. They must do because that's how it happened. I mean, I'm not. I'm not saying it's wrong. It's just, uh, you know. But if they saw it, that, it, though, how did they not see the two Carolina Panthers like plow into the back of a referee either? Well, that's exactly what I was gonna say there. You know, it's like uh, if uh, if it's being made in that way, then it really should be being made for everyone who did the same thing. Or, I mean, I again, like this, the sport needs. Um, a sin bin in the same way that hockey has it you know for for something like this where it would be you know it would obviously be wild to eject three or four players all together at the same time just chuck them all in the sin bin for like i don't know 10 plays or something like that i don't think that would work in american football they wouldn't with all the substitutions yeah very like they wouldn't put like a team down to 10 men on the field would they no, they wouldn't. But you know, you could you could put out your your starters or whatever. Yeah, put your quarterback on the shelf just for a couple of games, please. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Maybe that's the like you know the the punishment levels. It goes from um, putting out a cornerback for a couple plays to putting out your quarterback for a couple plays. I mean, eventually we did actually get some points on that drive, which just seemed to take forever and ever, and but- we got our first lead of the entire season. Yeah, jeez, man, it's wild to think about that. But yeah, indeed, first lead of the season. Um, And um, yeah, I I think uh, obviously a hugely deserved lead at that point. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like, just the way they were playing, they deserved to be, I mean, they deserved to be more than three points ahead, but, you know, we'll take a 13-10 lead. Yeah, and, you know, a chance to kind of breathe for a few minutes, you know, at that point where you think, right, okay, well, the the defense is on fire. You can trust them to not give up any points, or or many points at that point. Then you can go out and have another go at it, and that's pretty much exactly what happened. Carolina almost immediately turning it over again, um, and the offense being able to get out and get back to work. Yeah, I mean, before you mentioned, you completely missing out one of the best plays of the game, though. Go on then. With Eno Benjamin kicking off and being the one tackling the returner. That was incredible, yeah. <laughs> Did you see the press conference after the game? Cliff mm. Kingsbury with one of his deadpan jokes. Apparently the kicking like the emergency kicking competition <laughs> was between Eno Benjamin and Will Hernandez. Oh my god, can you imagine? So he was like, was it close? He was like, no, it wasn't close at all. <laughs> It is typical deadpan. It, it was hilarious. Have you ever you ever tried to kick an American football from a it's, from a? It's hard to kick one. Yeah, it's really hard. It looks so easy, but it's like yeah, no. And that's the thing as well. It's like I've I've um in the past I've kicked uh for a rugby team as well, and the difference is like night and day. I mean, a, a rugby ball feels so soft and forgiving and like controllable compared to American football. I'm sure it's just a case of getting used to it and practicing because I've kicked an American football probably 10 times um, and never in like active competition. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's it's not an easy job to just step up to. No, no. And like you say, it does feel a hell of a lot different to a rugby ball, and even more different to like a normal football. Oh yeah, yeah, big time. <coughs> That's what we used to be kicking as us Brits. Yeah, exactly. Soccer ball. Soccer ball or a rugby ball or something. Give us something easy like that by comparison. but Not like a brick. No. You American footballs are. Oh, they, they, it's insane. I mean, you. I really thought, because um, this, uh, this was when I was playing American football back in the day um, for Dundee. And at the start of the season, they basically lined us all up and they were like, all right, uh, Nobody here, you know, is is like auditioning, I guess, or or trying out to be just a kicker. Um, so everyone's going to have a go at kicking it, uh, go and try and kick it through these uprights. And uh, yeah, the, the the amount of people who were able to do it was next to none. It's a lot more harder than it looked. So my respect always goes out to a kicker. Yeah, big time. So yeah, anyway, we get um, you know Benjamin, as you said, come out takes the kick and makes the tackle which uh, it's not often that you see the kicker make a good tackle either. No, most of the time they just like hope someone else does it because <laughs> otherwise they're fucked, aren't they? 
or occasionally take a, a two-footed sliding tackle or something like that at, at somebody. Yeah, I did see that in college. One of the, I think it was the Washington kicker. He like yeah, tried to slide tackle. He did. Definite red <laughs> and it and it went exactly as uh, as you would expect a slide tackle to do in American football. But yeah, before I interrupted there, we obviously had another turnover where JJ Watt was able to tip the ball at the line, and Dennis Gardeck picked it off. And very, it nearly very nearly took it in. Yeah, very nearly took it in for a touchdown, which was a great combo play by the two of them. And then we have Carl Murray skipping into the end zone untouched for you know a twenty ten lead for the Cardinals. Really well designed play. It's one that you see the Cardinals pull off quite a lot, which is just letting the whole defense collapse to the other side of the end zone, and then you've just got Kyler and James Connor in free space and. James Conner picked up the block, but I really don't think it was necessary. I think Kyler would have got in no problem at all. Yeah, and he does a little leap into the end zone as well, doesn't he? <laughs> he does. He likes that. But yeah, I mean, again, this so this puts the Cardinals, what, 10 points ahead at that point? Yeah, and then, of course, defense comes out. The Boo Birds are out in force for Baker Mayfield. Yep. And we had, obviously, once again, another turnover on downs because Matt Rule was that desperate to try to keep his job. And Zach mm-hmm. Allen had none of it. I mean, it, it was just... Um, I, I think that this is like where you can start to point out to it being not just our defense playing really well. And the, um, I was about to say the Browns there. Um, the Panthers just falling apart. Yeah. And obviously, we capitalized on that with yet another ridiculous Hollywood Brown catch. For a yeah. touchdown this time, the the guy is just getting his highlight reel ready. It's going to be such a good sizzle reel by the end of the um, end of the season. I mean, do you remember <laughs> even like the the touchdown that he had in garbage time against the Chiefs? You know, just incredible, incredible catches pretty much every game. And we still haven't used him. We haven't seen him used to his best of his ability, have we? Like we've not seen him just be like. Just run down the field and Kyle will launch it to you. Yeah, we've not we've not seen a really really long go for him yet. But I think I mean we did one... sorry we did see one in this game, didn't we? Because it brought out a defensive pass interference flag. Oh yeah, well yeah, technically I suppose it was. Then it was well, a, a really long game. But we need uh... that. We need that, and we need Gus Johnson on the commentary for that game when it happens. <laughs> yes, so we can finally get a a real Hollywood Brown um, stinger for the opening. But yeah, I think we'll see a bit more of that once we get Nook back as well. Yeah, absolutely. That'll just open things up even more and like make this offense hopefully even better. I mean, I saw a good conversation on Twitter. I always go back to Twitter, but that's where I basically spend all the time. <laughs> but basically, they were saying like the offense has looked okay in spurts without DeAndre Hopkins. So it's good play together like that when they haven't got him. Imagine yep. what it could be like with him. Yeah, absolutely, and I think that's a that's a huge um, a huge point actually, and something that's well worth considering is you know how much are we going to um, really see them come together once once he comes back, especially because you know I know you're missing him for for six games, but number one that music came out relatively late, um, and number two it's only six games, so if you're Cliff Kingsbury you can bet that you've designed some plays with him in mind, you know? Yeah, and we've only got two more games to go without him. So he'll soon be back on the sidelines number 10. Um, and speaking of which, we should should we should we wrap up our coverage of this game? Because um, that's kind of how the game felt from that point onwards, really. It was just a case of um, put, putting it on ice, really, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, they did manage to get a touchdown through McCaffrey to make it 26-16. Which is yeah. technically a two-score game, so I, we're still I, in with a chance, but not when there's like four minutes to play and Baker Mayfield's a quarterback. Yeah, I mean, I think, um, I think, like, you know, if it wasn't for a number of things, that would probably be considered a garbage time touchdown. Um, but uh, you know, I think he was they 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 failed to convert on the the two point conversion, and you know. They weren't going to do anything with that four minutes, as you said. No, exactly. So, yeah, two and two for the Cardinals, end of the streak, and also continuing Kyle Murray's domination of Baker Mayfield, three and oh, yeah. now. three and oh over Baker Mayfield. Yeah, 
um, at two different teams as well, which is great. Like it, it always helps with these rivalries to show that it's not just one team being really dominant over another. Can we just get Baker Mayfield on the Rams next, please? Yeah, that would be great if he can just go and destroy them. Um, but yeah, there we go. Uh, uh, the Cardinals, as you said, at two and two, um, a bit of an odd feeling two and two, but it's two and two nonetheless. Yeah, and I mean, we've got a tough game coming up this week, but we'll talk about that in a bit. But yeah, two and two, can't complain. If we're three and three when DeAndre Hopkins comes back, yeah, can well, anyone complain about that? No, well, you can't really, can you? Um, I don't. Yeah, I, I think uh, I think we're in a good place uh, for for how well we're playing at the moment. What isn't in a good place though is me after a terrible fantasy football week this past week. Did you have uh was it two losses for you this week? Yeah, lost in the Bird Bank Bowl, lost in the Dynasty League. Don't really want to talk about it, so let's skip <laughs> over it. Um well I, I had a pretty horrible loss in the Dynasty League where I lost by nearly uh what well, nearly hundred and ten points it was. Um to our current uh reigning uh, number one seed but um yeah just having a real tough time in that league because uh i was built to win about three seasons ago and now my team is full of kind of old guys um meanwhile though i did pick up a win in the uh bird gang bowl where i beat out one of our uh i beat out kyler's cardinals by 26 points thanks to a really really strong showing from Justin Herbert and Jerry Judy um, and the Bills defense is pretty much where it all came from. Yeah, I mean, my, like, I just really had no one scoring points for me. And also in the Dynasty League, I left Jared Goff on the bench because oh. I thought, you know, he's got no wide receiver one. He's got no wide receiver two. He's basically got, he's got no DeAndre Swift either. He's basically got Hawkinson. And then it just yeah. so happened TJ Hawkinson exploded. Having. Lions on your squad at the moment is a bit like having Haaland in Fantasy Premier League, right? Yeah, I mean, I've definitely... I think I'll just keep Jared Goff in my team. It might be a good little charm. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think uh, I think he's been producing good points. It's just a shame about his defense. But I mean, that's good for fantasy, though, isn't it? Because it means he's on the field more. Uh, yeah, good point. And we do play each other this week for the first time we, of the season. We do play each other this week for the first time of the season, which is a uh, uh, going to be a fun prospect because again my team is not doing very well but your team is not doing great either so I was going to say we both won it free it's like a toilet bowl yeah a bit of a race to the bottom really <laughs> I mean, um, yeah well what about one thing that we could potentially be winning how are you getting on in the uh, Peckhams I mean I got 10 points this week so Double digits, can't complain about that. Yeah. I'm stuck back down in eight, which leaves me with 33 total points. So you'll be uh, pulling ahead there then. Uh, yeah, in total points, I've got 36. Yeah, there you go. So, so, what did you say you are on? 30, uh, thir- 33. So. 33. So you would be six in the Bird Gang Bowl, British Bird Gang League. Leader is on 39. Oh, that's a pretty good score for four weeks in. Yeah. David Johns, friend uh, of the podcast, obviously. I think David's historically done well in those those leagues. He must be cheating, surely. No, <laughs> yeah. it could be that good. It helps when you don't have to put your picks in like so early. I suppose there is cheating as well this year, though, is the Philadelphia Eagles, because how the hell are they foreign now? That's a just a wild um, stat. I, definitely not the... Are they the last undefeated team? At the moment? Yeah, yeah, I think. I don't think there's anyone else left undefeated. It's just Philadelphia all alone. I, that's, I mean, number one, it's funny to see the uh, undefeated race drop out as quickly as this. But, uh, yeah, I, I would not have called Philadelphia as being the 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 last undefeated one at the moment. I mean, they're four and out, and then you look at the NFC West. Every team is two and two. Yeah, I know. It's... the sort of a strange NFC West that's happening, especially given how uh, dreadful, supposedly, the Seahawks are. I suppose like more mind-boggling than both of these two things put together, though. Mm. Look at the AFC South. The Jacksonville Jaguars are leading it. Yeah, I mean, the, the Jags actually look kind of almost good this year. 
Thankfully, there's not enough schedules, so they can't embarrass us. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I did see that um, on the Peckhams so far, 97% of people think that they can beat the Texans this year, which would have been funny showing that to somebody a few years ago when I saw Jacksonville versus the Texans here in London. I was going to say, yeah, I don't think Jacksonville have ever had like 97% in anything. No, I don't think so. I think it must be an, a, a first for them. Um, but yeah, but they're we're, not playing we're, not, this week. we're not playing Jacksonville this week. We're playing uh, the Philadelphia Eagles. So a bit of a homecoming game for Zach Ertz. That'll be an interesting one to see. Yeah, although I think didn't we play them last year as well with Zach Ertz on the team? Did we? Or am I completely chatting shit? As always, I don't know. I'm I, sure I remember something. I, I mean, remember Zach Ertz came over like partway through the season really last year, right? I mean, we did play them in 2021, so I'm not wrong in that part. Okay, the question was, is it before or after he he joined us? And then we played them in 2020. Right. Well, either way, it's a, it's, it's a homecoming. Whether or not it's the first one with him as a Cardinal, he was obviously a long-time Eagle, um, one of their kind of star players in many ways. Um and Philadelphia is, is traditionally a really hard stadium to go into. A good job in State Farm Stadium then this week. Oh, yeah. Do you know what it is? It's because you've written it down as versus Philadelphia Eagles, and I'm I'm thinking too much of uh, of football. Yeah, I was going to say, because usually if it's away, I'd put it's at. at so, do, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, well, we're hosting the Eagles this week, which, you know, I'm sure that uh, given State Farm Stadium's recent form, It'll still be mostly Eagles fans in there anyway. Oh yeah, I mean, like when is it? Is it seven home games they've lost in a row now? The Cardinals. Yeah, it's just a dreadful home farm and um, been been a, a really uh, tough crowd. I think in the last couple ones as well, lots and lots of away fans. But the last time they did play the Eagles, December twentieth, twenty twenty, it was at State Farm Stadium. The Cardinals did win thirty three twenty six. Okay, that's pretty. That's a pretty solid win, I would say, especially in twenty twenty, which was not our best year. Oh yeah, I mean, we went into this one eight and six. They were four nine and one. So okay, a bit well, different this time. A bit, yeah, definitely a bit different from from this one. But yeah, but was, I mean, it was still Kyler Murray versus Jalen Hurts, Oklahoma yeah. versus Oklahoma. Jalen Hurts definitely um, kind of ha- had a bit of a step up since then, I would say. Well, yeah, I mean, people are calling him like a potential MVP this year. I think that that, that always circulates around any you know team that's having a, having a good start. Um, but yeah, I could understand that. I mean, if you're if you're coming in and you're leading your team to a four and zero start uh, and being the only team to do it, then that's that's MVP stuff, right? Yeah, I mean, not that anyone's crowned MVP after four weeks of the season, though. As yeah, we I mean, learned last year from Kyle Murray. Yeah, well, exactly. We've just just barely done a quarter of the season. There's still quite a significant amount to go, but um, I think regardless, this is this is a tough game, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. You can't like you can't look past the Eagles because you know they're not the four and playing some good teams. They've got a really good team there at the moment, like. Offensive, you've got Jalen Hurts is playing well. You've got a trio of running backs who just seem to produce whenever they get the ball. You've got Dallas Goddard at tight end, and then you've got AJ Brown, wide receiver, who's ridiculously good. Dr. Smith as well. You know, weapons all over the place. So, and they've got a pretty good defensive line as well. So, you can see why they're scoring so many points. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that being said, though. And and this is possibly just still that kind of preseason bias of like where where I think all of the teams are in relationship to each other. But you give me a game against the um, the Chiefs. You give me a game against the Rams, especially Cardinals Rams at home. And you give me a game against the Eagles, and you say pick one of these that we would win. I think I would take the Eagles game. Hey, yeah, absolutely. Probably after those three, it's like. Although we have beat the Rams recently, so we have, yeah, but under very different odd circumstances. Yeah, and also we have beaten the Eagles sooner than that, so I think I don't know. But we've beaten the Eagles as well, so I would say yeah, out of those three, probably would be the most winnable, but still not the most winnable. 
Oh, yeah, definitely not. I mean, especially when you compare it to the games that we have won. You know, we've won, we've won against um, the, the Las Vegas Raiders and we've won against the Carolina Panthers, both teams who are not having the best time of it this season. Maybe that's just what the Cardinals are. You know, like they're not good enough to be the best, but they're too good to be the worst. That sounds... Uh, that's that's almost worthy of a slogan to be on a t-shirt there, right? Probably is on a t-shirt, isn't it? I've probably seen it somewhere <laughs> before. Yeah. And I thought, that definitely sounds like my Cardinals. <laughs> yeah, I think it's... Uh... It's it's one of those kind of odd situations, and and um, yeah, I I feel like I don't know where to call this one going into it. I, I'm not I'm not hugely optimistic for a win, but again, as I said, you know, if we were going to come out with a with a difficult win this year, if we were going to see, you know, the the Cardinals begin to get out of their sluggish start, then I think pulling off a win somehow against uh, the Eagles would be the way to do it. I mean, it would be such Cardinals. It would be so Cardinals, wouldn't it? Just to be like, oh yeah, here's the 4-0 Eagles. No one has beaten them so far. And then the Cardinals come over and do it. It's like, just as everyone predicted. Uh, and to be fair, if they're going to do it, I strongly suspect that the way that they would do it would be in a in a um, shocking like last minute uh, nearly losing you mean like a Hail Murray part yeah. two, basically? I, I, or alternatively, uh, uh, Jalen Hurts is driving down the field and we just managed to stop them in time, sort of thing. No, it'll be like the Michael Vick fumble where they're like on the goal oh, line. Oh, yeah, yeah. Get sacked and then like just return it all the way like 90 odd yards for a touchdown to win the game. Oh, that would be, that would be, That'd be superb. But we could dream. We can dream. I mean, well, the question I would say to you is, you know, what do you think? Are you going to put money mouth? Are you going to you going to say it's going to be a loss for us, or are you going to predict us for a win? My head would say Cardinals win. Your head would my, say Cardinals win. My head always says Cardinals win. Now, <laughs> my whole body always says Cardinals win. Fair I enough. I don't think I just I hate saying like yeah, the Cardinals got to lose because when they do lose, I hate being right about that. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, like, over history, the Cardinals are 60, 56, and 5 against the Eagles. So one of the few teams we have a winning record against. One of the very scarce number of them. And of the last eight games, the Cardinals have won six of them. So, I mean, recency, I mean, obviously, these are like years and years ago, and like, none of these guys are playing anymore. It's a completely different Cardinals team, completely different Eagles team, but yeah, I've got a good Cardinals win, 26-24, just because, you know. know I mean, I I could easily see it reversed. I I was actually, I was about to say, I'm going to predict the reverse of that, and I'm going to predict that that's still something to be happy about. I mean, it all depends on really how the Cardinals start, because if they get another slow start, everyone will be just like, yeah, yeah, fire Cliff, get rid of Cliff at half-time. Well, I think you know the that's one of the big differences with with the teams that we've beaten and the teams that we've lost to so far this season. It's it's you know the offense has started slow in all of those games, but some teams will let you away with it, and some teams just won't. You know, some teams if you if you have a bit of a slow start against them, they're going to put up you know fourteen points on you straight away because they're not going to waste time letting you have a slow start. Yeah, exactly. I think Philadelphia could be one of those teams that could punish us for that just because of how how many weapons you've got on offense. Like, I know our defense has been playing well. Yeah, but well, can they cover all of them? I'm not sure. They've been playing well, but you know, in the games that we've won, they've hardly had a superstar to go up against. You know, Christian McCaffrey is probably the biggest biggest name that they went up against, and he is banged up. You know, I mean, to be fair, the Raiders did have. Uh, what's his name? Devontae Adams, but Byron Murphy pocketed him all game long. Yeah, so. That's a very good point. But again, you know, each of those times that's one big name and a not very good quarterback. And I think arguably here you've got Jalen Hurts, who's an excellent quarterback, and you've got a lot of big names um, for him to throw to. So I think, you know, it's inevitable that we're going to give up a lot of points. The hope is just that the the offense is able to keep it up. Yeah, and, otherwise they'll get, just get people booing, won't they? At, at <laughs> home. 
Yeah, well, I I think that we're not too many steps away from that in some regards. So, you know, we're joking about Baker Mayfield getting booed there, but, uh, you know, despite how well the Cardinals are doing, the, the reception from a lot of the fans is still poor. I mean, it's an odd one though, isn't it? Because like, they could play really bad in the first half and then boo, they'll boo them off at the break. Come full time, they win. Like, they're the best team in the world. It's just yeah. so fickle. So fickle. Well, you know, that's sports, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> is, that, is, is that a good note to end on for the week? That's sports, I suppose. And the Cardinals fans are fickle. Yeah, absolutely. That, I mean... Well, yeah, we could call it that. Let's I, go with that. I would say for sure there, there's one thing that uh, isn't fickle, and that's us because we'll be back here uh, same time next week to break down the Eagles game, however it went, and uh, bring you all the Cardinals news between now and then. Which there probably won't be any, but you know there will be a game to talk about, so that's basically our podcast. So, yep, yeah, as always, if you're not following us on Twitter, go follow us at British Bird Gang. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash British Bird Gang and join the group at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash British Bird Gang. Buy British Bird Gang merch at britishbirdgang.tml.com. And of course, if you like what you listen to on the podcast, then leave us a review wherever it is you get your podcast from. And basically, that's it. So thanks for listening to yet another episode. And we'll see you again next week for another one. See you then. Bye bye. Goodbye.